It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, October 25th, 2021. I'm Kelly Reese and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. Tonight on the California Report, Yuba County Jail is one of three immigration detention centers. Congressional Democrats are calling on the Biden administration to shut down amid health and safety violations. Then, in national Native news, advocates urge Congress to block a proposed copper mine at a sacred site in Arizona. We'll take a brief look at regional headlines and weather before science correspondent Al Stoller speaks to geohydrologist June Oberdorfer about the impacts of the proposed Idaho-Maryland mine. This is the California Report. I'm April Dimbaski in San Francisco. A record-breaking storm pummeled Northern California yesterday, causing widespread flooding and evacuation orders. Hundreds of thousands of people were left without power. Meteorologists marveled at the historic downpour. Sierra Littlefield is with the National Weather Service. The Sacramento Executive Airport reported that they had 5.41 inches in the last 24 hours. Uh, That is about almost 82% of how much they saw in the entire 2020-2021 water year. The rain and wind toppled trees and flooded roadways across the Bay Area. Ryan Walbrun is with the National Weather Service in Monterey. Uh, We have several sites that are above 1,000% of normal. So it's it's safe to say we, we did receive you know, on the order of of a month or two worth of rain uh, in this one storm. Scattered rain is expected across northern California throughout the day today as the atmospheric river moves south. Despite the record rainfall, forecasters say California will need a lot more wet weather to get out of the current statewide drought. Hundreds of Hollywood artisans held a candlelight vigil in Burbank last night for Helena Hutchins. She was the 42-year-old cinematographer who was accidentally killed by actor Alec Baldwin last week on a film set in New Mexico. The film's director, Joel Souza, was injured in the same incident. An investigation is ongoing in New Mexico, but in California, it's prompted legislative action. The California Report's Saul Gonzalez reports. State Senator Dave Cortesi of San Jose says he'll introduce legislation that would ban both ammunition and firearms capable of shooting live ammunition from movie and television shoots in California, as well as live theatrical productions in the state. In a statement, Cortesi, who chairs the Senate Labor Committee, says there's an urgent need to address alarming work abuses and safety violations on productions. Before last week's accidental onset New Mexico shooting, the Los Angeles Times reports that several crew members walked off the production, protesting labor conditions and safety issues. Before that incident, there have been other onset deaths involving firearms. In 1993, actor Brandon Lee was mistakenly shot with a dummy round from a gun while filming the movie The Crow. And in 1984, television actor John Eric Hexham, while joking around during a production break, died after he put a prop gun to his temple and fired. The recoil from the unloaded firearm caused hemorrhaging, which killed him. For the California Report, I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Two dozen congressional Democrats from California are calling on the Biden administration to shut down three immigration detention centers in the state. KQED's immigration editor Tyke Hendricks reports. 
In a letter to Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, 23 members of Congress plus Senator Alex Padilla noted that conditions in the facilities violate health and safety standards set by Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And they say the ICE contracts are leading to the waste of millions of dollars in federal funds. ICE holds detained immigrants in several facilities around California, but the letter called out three. One is the Yuba County Jail, which has been under federal monitoring for more than four decades. ICE has a contract to hold 200 detainees there, but currently has only one. The other two are private prisons, Adelanto in San Bernardino County and Otay Mesa in San Diego. As with Yuba, they have been cited for filthy facilities, lack of medical care, improper use of solitary confinement, and retaliation against detained people who protest their conditions. Immigrant advocates have raised concerns about ICE detention for years. For The California Report, I'm Tyke Hendricks. Latinas make up 20 percent of California's workforce, and data show they were more likely than any other group to lose their jobs in the COVID-19 pandemic. At a hearing last week, state assembly members heard testimony on the substantial wage gap between Latinas and other workers. Sonia Diaz of UCLA's Latino Policy and Politics Initiative says because of that gap, many Latinas who lost their jobs last year found that going back to work wasn't worth it. These were not jobs that provided the retirement security benefits, the sick paid leave, the health care that's quality. So ultimately, getting those workers back is going to be incumbent on us having good jobs, including good union jobs. Diaz says the average Latina worker is also much younger than the population as a whole. And leaving the workforce for even a year or two can seriously reduce their lifetime earnings. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Thousands of taco lovers gathered in Fresno this weekend for the 10th Taco Truck Throwdown. Tacos are a source of serious pride for the city, and the Fresno Bee reported 18 taco trucks competed for the championship title. The judges chose Taco Pinto as the winner. Co-owner Marisa Silva says it was overwhelming to see people waiting an hour to try her tacos. It means a lot being out here. Uh, it takes a lot of hard work and dedication to prepare everything fresh every single day. So being out here and having this line is just um, amazing. We feel, uh, we feel great. <laughs> Grateful. The night's entertainment was headlined by singer-songwriter Genuine. He teamed up with local Fresno musician Patrick Contreras to end the night with a beatboxing electric violin mashup. Patrick Contreras is also known as Violin on Fire. 
He used the taco truck throwdown to release his new album, A Little Night Music. And that's the California Report for Monday, October 25th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm April Domboski. Thanks for listening. Up next in today's National Native News, the fight for preservation of a sacred site in Arizona as a proposed copper mine attempts to move in. And First Lady Jill Biden hosts a listening session on Native youth mental health. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Over the last several months, advocates for the preservation of a sacred site have urged courts and Congress to block a proposed copper mine in Arizona at Oak Flat. Emma Gibson from Arizona Public Media reports the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit heard the case on Friday. Oak Flat lies within National Forest land east of Phoenix, and it's part of a land swap approved by Congress in 2014 between the federal government and Resolution Copper. If mined, the project is expected to turn the sacred site into a large crater. The nonprofit Apache Stronghold advocating to save Oak Flat says the appeal is based on a treaty claim and religious freedom. Here's their attorney, Luke Goodrich. And the government's position here is not just that it can destroy Oak Flat and end those religious practices forever. It's that ending those religious practices forever isn't even a burden. Burden here refers to a Religious Freedom Act, and the judges asked the Biden administration several questions about what constitutes a burden on Western Apache religious rights at Oak Flat. Apache Stronghold's attorneys predict the court will rule on the case sometime next year. For National Native News, I'm Emma Gibson. The state of South Dakota is appealing the denial of a permit for a fireworks show at Mount Rushmore. The National Park Service under the Trump administration approved a permit for 2020, but the next administration denied a 2021 permit. The state sued in federal district court, and when that judge ruled in favor of the National Park Service, the state filed with the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. That appeal is pending. Victoria Wicks has more. On July 3, 2020, then-President Donald Trump came to the Black Hills for an Independence Day fireworks show at Mount Rushmore. The National Park Service granted a permit for the show despite environmental and tribal concerns. The following year, under the Biden administration, Governor Kristi Noem's application for a fireworks permit was denied. Noam turned to a South Dakota federal district court, but the judge denied her request for a preliminary injunction, concluding there were legitimate concerns of wildfires, water pollution, and spread of COVID-19. Noam then appealed that decision to the Eighth Circuit. Defendants include Secretary of the Interior Deb Holland and directors of the Federal and Regional National Park Service. The Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe and its Tribal Historic Preservation Officer Steve Vance have joined as defendant interveners. In briefs, interveners say the Black Hills, by treaty, belong to the tribes of the Great Sioux Nation, and fireworks could damage the land, water, and ceremonial sites. Steve Vance adds that he opposed the 2020 permit because of the grief it would inflict on the Lakota people. The defendants have asked the Eighth Circuit to dismiss the case as moot since the application at issue is for an event date that has come and gone. But Noam said in a September news release that she has applied for a 2022 fireworks permit.
The Eighth Circuit will consider whether to hear the appeal and, if yes, whether to hold oral arguments. For National Native News, I'm Victoria Wicks in the Black Hills. The First Lady of the United States and the U.S. Surgeon General held a listening session with the Saginaw Chippewa Indian Tribe on Sunday. The session focused on mental health among young people. In opening remarks, Jill Biden mentioned her work as a teacher and acknowledged the impact the pandemic has had on education and youth. Tribal officials, educators, students, and parents took part in the session. Project AWARE was highlighted, which helps students with mental health issues. The visit was part of the First Lady's trip to Michigan. She also traveled to South Carolina. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. This reminder to get your COVID-19 vaccination is provided by the Association of American Indian Physicians and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention who support this show. Info at aaip.org or cdc.gov slash coronavirus. Support by the Center for Indigenous Cancer Research at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center, dedicated to cancer research, medicine, and cancer care for indigenous populations. A no-charge online risk assessment tool is available at roswellpark.org slash assessme. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. In today's regional news... Shortly after 3 this afternoon, Nevada County Office of Emergency Services reported that flash flood and debris flow warnings for the River Fire Burn Scar area had been canceled. Tomorrow, October 26th, the Nevada County Community Library hosts a Halloween art and poetry walk at Pine Grove Historical Cemetery from 4 to 5.30 p.m. Draw inspiration from the season and your surroundings as you join Nevada County Poet Laureate Kirsten Casey in an evening of poetry and sketching. Not to make this newscast entirely Halloween-themed, but this Friday, October 29th, Madeline Helling Library hosts their Spooky Boogie Drive-Up Book Giveaway from 3 to 5 p.m. All youth, including teenagers, are encouraged to dress in costume and swing by for a free spooky book, just in time to scare yourself for Halloween. In an effort to reduce illegal dumping, Waste Management, Nevada County, the Bureau of Land Management, and the U.S. Forest Service are hosting a tire amnesty event, beginning today and continuing until the 29th. Nevada County residents can dispose of up to nine tires at no charge. All locations are accepting tires from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. This event is for residents of Nevada County only and not open to businesses, Check Ubinet for tire amnesty event locations. That atmospheric river brought some heavy precipitation. The National Weather Service out of Sacramento reports Grass Valley received nearly 13 inches of rain over the past 72 hours. And UC Berkeley's Central Sierra Snow Lab at their remote Donner Pass site recorded 26.6 inches of snowfall since 10 p.m. Sunday. But despite the torrential downpour which pelted Northern California this weekend, it won't be nearly enough to end the state's epic drought. Quote, Even with five inches of rain in Sacramento, our deficits are immense, said Jeffrey Mount, a geologist and water expert at the Public Policy Institute of California. Quote, 
We're basically missing two years of precipitation in this basin. It's not a drought buster. End quote. The Sacramento Bee writes that a paramount problem is that the drought, coupled with climate change, has dried out the soils of Northern California, meaning that much of the rain and snow will simply disappear into the ground. Jay Lund, co-director of the Center for Watershed Sciences at UC Davis, explains that because the soil moisture throughout Northern California has been depleted the last couple of years, the soil must be soaked before we see water flowing into reservoirs. And now for regional weather. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight mostly cloudy with a low around 40. There's a 30% chance of showers before 11 p.m. Tomorrow remains mostly cloudy with a high near 50. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly cloudy with a low around 24, a 50% chance of snow before 11 p.m. Tomorrow, a slight chance of snow before 2 p.m., then partly sunny with a high near 40. The National Weather Service warns that a winter storm warning for the Truckee-Tahoe region remains in effect until 11 p.m. this evening. Expect snow showers along the Sierra Crest. Up to two inches of additional snow is possible. Plan on slippery road conditions and beware of fog developing around the Tahoe Basin and along I-80. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, partly cloudy, with a low around 49. Tomorrow, partly sunny, with a high near 60. Up next, science correspondent Al Stoller sits down with geohydrologist June Oberdorfer. Oberdorfer will participate in a webinar on the proposed reopening of the Idaho-Maryland mine this Thursday. Take a hot shower and some of the shower water evaporates, turns to water vapor, mixes with the air, and then condenses on the cold bathroom mirror. So it is that ocean water evaporates, water vapor mixes with the air above, and then condenses in the cold upper air, to form clouds. Rain falls from the clouds. Over land, the rain hits the ground. Water on the ground rarely stands still. Water flows downslope and finds its way to a creek. Creeks in these parts flow into the Yuba. Reaching Marysville, Yuba City, the Yuba joins the Feather. The Feather River, in turn, just north of the city of Sacramento, flows into the Sacramento River. Ultimately, the Sacramento River flows down to the sea, and the water returns to from where it had begun. Creeks and rivers are not the only route rainwater takes to get back to the sea. Rainwater also soaks into the ground and becomes groundwater. Groundwater is what we drink when we've got a well. Groundwater is a concern for folks living close to the Idaho-Maryland mine, which is now proposed to be reopened by the Rise Gold Corp. I spoke with geohydrologist June Oberdorfer, about the groundwater in the vicinity of the mine, and about the studies Rise Gold Corp. has been doing. How does water make its way through the ground? You know, there's sometimes a misconception that they're underground rivers. And, you know, except with some very unusual exceptions, that's not at all the way that groundwater flows. Groundwater really occurs in the tiny openings between fragments and sediment or in fractures in rock, and then it also flows or moves through those small openings. The larger the openings, the more interconnected they are, the easier it is for 
groundwater to flow through them and the more permeable the rock or the sediment is. June, you're going to be participating in a webinar this Thursday. If you could summarize very briefly, what do you plan to say? My presentation is going to be sort of an overview of what we understand about groundwater in the vicinity of the mine and what predictions that RISE has made about those impacts, what some of the uncertainties are, and some suggestions about ways to minimize those uncertainties. There is going to be some impact to the water tables. The water table will drop. And the big question is, how much will it drop? And that really gets back to the modeling that was performed, trying to predict what the impacts or the consequences would be to that shallow groundwater. They were looking at some other things as well, how much water would actually be pumped out of the mine that would have to be treated by their treatment plant, what the impacts would be to nearby streams. But I think for the people, particularly on that ridge over the mine, is, boy, what's going to happen to their wells? Are the water levels going to drop so much that they're going to have trouble getting enough water out of their wells for their need? What did the computer model decide? The computer model said that there would be at the most on the order of about 10 feet of drop in the water table over a relatively small area, over a somewhat larger area, declines in the water table of 5 to 10 feet, and over even a bigger area, 1 to 5 feet. And they defined, I think, the area of critical drawdown to be that area of about 10 feet of drawdown. This is along East Bennett Road. And the mine is actually proposing to go in and install a pipeline and provide supplemental water. So they recognize, at least in that limited area, that they do have to do something to address people's loss of well capacity. Gold is not the only heavy metal that's been concentrated in the foothills. There was water sampling and analysis done on the water currently in the mine. What they identified there were iron and magnesium as being dissolved elements that had to be treated, had to be removed prior to discharge. June Oberdorfer will be speaking during a webinar this Thursday at 6 p.m. To learn more about the webinar, contact MindWatchNC. That's one word, MindWatchNC. June, it's been very good speaking with you. Thank you very much. My pleasure. That's our newscast for this Monday, October 25th. Here's something you want to listen to again or missed a part of an interview? You can always listen to the expanded versions of our stories and interviews on our webpage at kvmr.org or wherever you get your podcasts. KVMR gets support from Milkman Toner Company, providing local hometown service for network printers, copiers, and scanners. Carrying environmentally safe, remanufactured toner cartridges with printer support. Serving Northern California counties, also San Francisco to Lake Tahoe. MilkmanCompany.com And 
Don Adams Antenna Services, local dish authorized retailer, assisting Nevada County residents with satellite television for over 35 years. Jerski Drive, Grass Valley, 530-274-3709, donadamsgv.com. Stick around at 6.30, it's the Women's International News Gathering Service, WINGS. The Salem Witch Trials may seem a distant relic of the past. However, accusations of witchcraft still abound in the modern age. On tonight's episode, the 2015 United Nations Commission on the Status of Women discussed the rationales and motives behind ongoing claims of witchcraft and their devastating, sometimes fatal, results. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendonza. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.